Hello, everyone. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, I hope you'll stick around as today I'd like to get real with you all. Some of the struggles of building a personal brand are just quite pervasive, well, if I'm being honest, are things that I struggle with in my own music business that I want to dissect and hopefully help some of you out there avoid the same pitfalls. When it comes to the music industry, so much has changed in a short period of time, and it's continually changing. Whether it's on a political front or now a technological front with all of this AI stuff, as music producers, creators, and executives of our brand, we have a lot to think about. I've also got some resources lined up for you guys today that I've been checking out and I think may help bridge the gap from dreams to executing the vision that you have for your dream career, business, or even just improve your personal life. So stick around. Welcome to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast, the first music industry podcast for creatives who want to reach beyond the side hustle, where we show you how to apply the principles of business, mindset, and personal development to create real sustainable success from the inside out. All right, let's dive into it. There's a huge information gap between the consumer browsing social media and the guy or girl at the top of the industry posting about his or her business ventures, side projects, or just speaking to their community. You know, sometimes it feels like you don't know if they're speaking to you and this air of celebritism just wafts across your senses because you can't relate. At least that's been the case for me with a lot of brands out there. If I'm following major artists like Mike Shinoda lately, when we talk about branding on the podcast, the way that we have, our goal is to empower you. The truth is there has never been a greater time to be an entrepreneur and build a business from scratch than today. Historically, the music industry has been getting more and more democratized and proliferated in virtually every aspect. Everything from technology of recording yourself to a completely open industry where publishing has proliferated. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you can literally build a brand without needing to hire an expensive marketing agency, consulting firms, or have to hustle to get the attention of traditional media outlets like the press, which has its own can of worms I don't think we need to touch on today. But this era has introduced a ton of disruptive models like direct marketing, which has evolved into social media marketing, personal branding, etc. But if it's so easy, why doesn't everyone do it? Rather, I think the question begs asking, why aren't people doing it well? And why is this stigma still exist that I need a record label if I'm going to be successful you know, as an artist? Well, as a producer, it means I have to partner with a publishing house or deal with an agency or a brand, some sort of vehicle that is much larger than myself to be able to even sustain myself at a personal level. And that's just not the case. So this comes back to the perception and understanding of basic human psychology. The consumer mindset tends to default to the simplest math. This is just deduction, right? Our brains are extremely complex computers, but every brain tends to run the same instruction set but wants to conserve energy, our neural pathways tend toward deducing problems to very simple choices. I've also heard this coined the lizard brain. Simple choices are much easier to make. The few options left to choose from might be within margin of error different from each other. It's still much easier to deal with just A or B, like a binary choice. And often what ends up happening with the lizard brain is it becomes an emotional decision. Which one makes us feel better? Top 1% are the most visible in the industry, so we end up allowing ourselves to be programmed by the ones that we have the most access to. And they serve as a benchmark for what we should be emulating, right? 
But are those 1% doing things that we can relate to when we start out in the industry? Or just now considering building our personal brand? The worst part about this is that I'll run into artists and producers who have vocalized the same opinion. They compare to the top 1% in the belief that those are the people that they have to emulate or behave like, and then resign themselves to massive gap in where they are now and what it would take to achieve the level of work and output that those top 1% do. That's a cop-out. Now, you're not going to start out with the same volume, same price tag, or level of work that those people have taken years, if not decades, to reach. You're comparing your starting point to their end game. It also prevents you from seeing the reality of the situation. You may not have to operate at their level just to achieve a sustainable business model. This means you're going to have to throw out any assumptions based on their output, pricing or value, and develop your own that matches where you are in the marketplace. That's probably the hardest to do because now all of a sudden I don't have a benchmark to, to look against. I have to design my own. I have to think about my business without having external factors necessarily be my benchmarker or the metric that I have to hit. Look, I have to admit, Neologic has laid dormant for some time now, and that's because I've let it sit idle. I'd be calling the kettle black if I were telling you all just to follow my lead with the advice that I give on this show, but I'm not actively demonstrating it working in the real world. I'll be level with you guys and gals. I've been really busy with the house remodel, and we're this close to being done with the interior work, and we finally had our shower door installed, and all the other waiting on some plumbing and fixturing parts, the only real expenses and effort left is in our master walk-in closet and getting that built. I bring that up because that's all my personal life. When it comes to my business, between my day job, eating up more and more of my time, and just letting life in general get in the way, the real work is in planning and acting on keeping my business vehicle running. It's easy to let it go when I don't have a solid plan. I know a lot of you out there probably started exactly where I am. You don't have a solid plan. You just have an idea or a concept or just a dream. Like, I want to have a business in music, okay? Now, when I started Neologic, I never had the intent of building a personal brand that was tied to my individual namesake. Neologic was, by design, supposed to carry the optics of being more of a corporate business model. But I also had no experience with designing such a business nor do I have any experience in such a corporate business to see how that vehicle worked. I didn't have any model to emulate. However, I put that into motion in the mid-2000s, and I was completely naive to marketing and networking, period. Just I no experience with it whatsoever. I was an introvert. I didn't really spend much time socializing with others in the industry, which, you know, it kind of takes knowing people to bring clients to you. If I had known even just half of what I know now, Back then, I would have doubled down on social media efforts and started taking marketing seriously. Back then, my excuse was I couldn't afford to market, so I refrained from spending any money on marketing efforts, whether that was Facebook ads, which were a lot cheaper back then, or my excuse was also, back then, social media only ever had vanity metrics, and I couldn't see a direct path to correlating those metrics with actual revenue results. So, you know, like, hey, check out how many followers I have on Instagram or check out how many followers I have on Facebook. Well, that's nice. But where was the money actually coming from? I couldn't connect those dots. Now, I've grown up with social media going from a simple community forum and AOL chat, you know, like um, 
snowboard.com and later MySpace to having Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. If I'm being honest, there's some personal work that I need to do on my part. And that's probably what's been blocking me from consistently using social media platforms as tools to enable my business. So I want you guys to think about this too. Reflect on what your experiences are over your course of your lifetime. And maybe this will help uncover some root causes as to what may be holding you back from executing. So in my teens, AOL chat and snowboarding.com forums and later MySpace were the primary social vehicles that I commonly perused rather than friendships in real life. I have been burned in numerous ways and more than just occasionally on all of those platforms, which has left me in a weird stance on how I feel and how I handle myself on social media over the years. As I've gotten older, I spend less and less time posting on social media, period. I just don't. That since I've been married, I really don't post at all. And that's my problem now. Knowing what I know and what kind of interaction I would like to have on social media, every time I passively investigate a post or something that sounds interesting, I might read it, but then I just don't post anything anywhere much at all. I don't comment. Why? I don't feel like I have anything valuable to contribute to the conversations being had. I instantly simulate the interaction on any given post or forum and find myself placating to one side or another, rather than just being my genuine self. It leads me to this crux where I know I need to engage on social media if I want my business to succeed, but I have to overcome the frictions with the entire concept at some philosophical level within myself just to get to the point where I can make a concerted and sustainable effort. So lately, I've been diving into a couple of books that I feel may help a lot of you out there in my position. How do I genuinely build a personal brand? And how can I do so in this digital era when my personal habits may not currently work in my favor? So let's talk about How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is by Dale Carnegie. This first book was an eye-opener for me, and it's honestly coming down to learning a new way to be as a person. A lot of these tips come from Dale Carnegie himself and have been modified over the years depending on which reprint or production of the original book you get. I highly recommend this book in any form. I think there's an updated version called In the Digital Age. It it has reframed a lot of the core principles around social media and how to interact online, which is important. But I think if you can get both, or if you had to make a choice between the two, get the original book. Now, here's why. Building a personal brand, starting a business, or just wanting to be a better person and grow your career, these core tenets of the original book are invaluable. Number one, become genuinely interested in other people. I know exactly what some of you are thinking right now. I'm just not outgoing. I'm socially awkward. I'm an introvert. I'm not good with social skills. I'm antisocial. Now, you might be proclaiming that just as proudly as I might have way back in like my mid-20s. But listen, being introverted, socially awkward, antisocial, those are all learned behaviors. If it can be learned, it can be unlearned. If you're on the struggle bus, and believe me, I've been on that bus myself a good majority of my life. Imagine how much more enjoyable life would be once you crack the code. Making a habit out of making new acquaintances Talking to more people not only yields you a direct benefit 
to impacting your network, but your net worth. You know the saying, your net worth is in your network? Becoming genuinely interested in other people also makes you more interesting. This is the spice of life. This one can literally improve every other facet of your life, from having more interesting things to share with others you've learned through your connections to actually providing value, even if it's not your services someone is in need of. You become the person people go to simply because of your reputation for, I know a guy, for this or that. (laughs) That's great. Number two, I can't believe how simple this is. Smile. It's fascinating how simple a smile can be. Maybe some of you may have picked it up noticeably. I started smiling when I said that. In fact, I've been smiling these last few sentences. This affects your tone of voice, even on the phone, if nobody can see you. It's also disarming nearly all scenarios. It's amazing how effective a simple smile can do wonders for building rapport when you're having a conversation with somebody you don't know. Number three is remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Paying attention to somebody's name and getting it right is very important. It's what they respond to. They've already been programmed their whole lives to respond to that name. And if you can acknowledge how calling them by what they want to be called makes them feel, it empowers you a lot. Number four, be a good listener. Listening with the intent to hear is not listening with the intent to reply. Now, this is where if you get into the digital age book, there's a lot to do with social media and just handling yourself and all of the new ways of communication that have come about from other than just personal interaction. Whether it's social posts on Facebook where people drop in the comments of big posts just to pull the attention away from the main topic and insert their personal agenda. This is the modern day version. (laughs) How many people have you seen hijack posts? This is quite common, right? Monitor how you speak to people in everyday life. Whether it's client-focused or just with friends, do you tend to take on an assertive tone? Like, do you always have an answer for everything? Do you mansplain? (laughs) Imagine what would happen if you didn't experiment and just tried to speak less. When you interacted with friends, family, clients, ask more open-ended questions and get them to engage. Offer very little dialogue elsewhere. What do you think you could discover? Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests, which ties back into my point that I just made. I want to bring this up to like courtship and dating, right? Because ultimately when it comes down to any relationship, whether it's professional, personal, or otherwise, it can be a lot like courtship and dating. What is more enjoyable to you when you go on a first date with someone you don't know yet? An interesting person or an interested person? Okay. You know. Obviously, an interesting person, you might know a lot about them, but they know little about you. It tends to come across pretty quickly when they're not interested in you and they don't ask you questions. It can feel one-sided. It's all about them, right? And at the end of the day, eventually that relationship tends to run into a limit. It can only grow so much when only one person is interested in the other. When both people are interested in each other, that relationship stands a much better chance of lasting a lifetime. Okay, business talk. Imagine how much easier it would be when it comes time to make the sale. 
if you've gotten your prospect to share all of their dreams and their desires and relevant wants and needs with you. I think this is where it comes back to talking in terms of other person's interests. And when we're talking about sales, this is asking open-ended questions. This is top-down selling. Let me find out exactly what your needs are and your wants. Can I fulfill on all of those? And where you can connect the dots, that's where you have the power to make the sale a bigger end-to-end experience. Number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. This is surprising how quickly we overlook this aspect, but whether it's on social media, in the news, or in private, you'll see spats and arguments that usually develop because of a lack of empathy for the other side. Don't mistake empathy for sympathy. That's not what I'm saying. This ultimately is going to come down to developing your own sense of judgment on a case-by-case basis with any given individual. But even on a first date or a first meeting, clues can be gathered almost immediately. Everything from their demeanor the way they talk, the subject matter they choose to focus on, all of that can impact how you can pick up on ways to make them feel important, but also do it sincerely and don't make it feel like an empty platitude. So we're going to get into points for the digital age here, but just to pause, I want you to take those six points for just a second. Reflect on those. Any aspect of your life, imagine how much more valuable you can be in anybody's life just by implementing these in yours. So, now as we get into the digital age, there's a lot of etiquette that the digital age book tends to preach, but I think these eight core tenets speak for themselves. Number one, avoid arguments. Number two, never say you're wrong. Number three, admit faults quickly and emphatically. Number four, begin in a friendly way. Number five, access affinity. Number six, surrender the credit. Number seven, engage with empathy. And number eight, appeal to noble motives. I feel like some of those speak for themselves. They're pretty obvious. Like avoid arguments. Yeah, okay. Avoid arguments. But access affinity, let's bottle that down for a minute. If you're having trouble thinking outside of the box, this is the one to make you just pause for a second and acknowledge your own limiting beliefs. Like, hey, I can't think in every way possible. Let me at least consider their angle. And then surrender the credit. I feel like this one just needs a little bit of explanation because If you've ever come across a social media post where it feels like people are gloating, people are sharing in their pride or just, you know, the joy of having won a big victory or they did something or they're sharing an idea that maybe isn't theirs. Even if it feels like you did something specific that was yours, surrendering the credit means that you get the focus away from it being all about you. And that allows the audience, whether they're passing by or not, to focus more on what happened and it not be about, hey, just celebrate me, if that makes sense. Out of those tips, what do you feel like is going to help you the most? Focus on one thing. Just pick one and try to incorporate that into your life very slowly. I find that doing one thing 
very well improves your life much more than trying to take on a bunch of things and totally change your life and throw yourself upside down and then realize you're overwhelmed by how much you have to change. You don't have to change. You are fine just the way you are. But by approaching this from like, I could be 1% better than I was yesterday. That's to me, probably going to yield a much bigger impact over a period of time than trying to do everything that we talk about in this podcast. I want to bring this back to my personal struggles because I know what many of you have gone through for a while or maybe encountering right now is very similar. Well, my job within the Music Producers Alliance is to coach, to train, and to share through this podcast. I'm pulling from the private successes that I've had. Those private wins that I get from my clients make it very hard to distinguish my personal brand. That's because I'm not doing it through my personal brand. I'm working behind the scenes in the Music Producers Alliance. Now, my goal from this day forward, to be ultra clear, is that I need to rebuild my personal brand so that it reflects what I'm doing and leverage the trust and social credit that I've earned with the people that I've helped from within the MPA. Neologic is going to get much more personalized, so I'm taking the next three months to develop a personal brand using the tools that I share next in this podcast episode. So let's say you understand these concepts and you want to start implementing this stuff in your actual personal brand. Let's say your producer goes by your name, your profession and everything is very forward facing or public facing. This is why personal brands are so powerful today. If you look at The major producers out there, everybody's hopped on social media for a reason. The big legacy brands, they don't really have a personal connection because they don't feel personal, right? Every business is suddenly having a Facebook page or Instagram. Why are they spending time posting on these social media sites? It's because they realize the power plays with the audience, the direct connection to whoever you're trying to reach. And the fact that it, there can be a dialogue where there didn't used to be before, whether it was advertising on media, like whether it's print or the press or news or having to deal with those traditional vehicles, even radio broadcast ads, video ads on YouTube, ads are very low trust when it comes to the vehicles that are available today. This is why social media has been so disruptive is because suddenly it allowed a dialogue, meaning your audience could interact with you and give you feedback, whether you were connecting with them or not. And then you can adjust course almost on the fly. So to be a personal brand today, this usually means document your journey. Just share with the world your progress, your process, your successes, and your failures. And then following the steps that we've just discussed with how to win friends and influence people, Those books share the ethos that you can build within yourself so that you present yourself properly. But let's go beyond that. There's essentially seven universal story points or steps all humans respond to. First, a character. Second, has a problem. Three, meets a guide. Four, who gives them a plan. Five, calls them to action. Six, and helps them avoid failure. And seven, that ends in success. I really want you guys to go check out the book, Building a Story Brand, Clarify Your Message So Customers Will Listen by Donald Miller, because they really give you a strategy as well as tactics 
or how to implement this. It's also open to you taking these and adopting that make the most sense for you. You don't just follow a template, okay, and then I, I start posting and I do this over and over and over. You need to find a way to make it unique to you and your business. So how do you do that? According to Donald Miller, you can implement your own story brand by using those seven universal elements of powerful stories to dramatically improve how you connect with customers and grow your business. They suggest using the marketing roadmap, which includes five almost always free ways to grow your business. Number one, create a one-liner that answers who is the customer. Number two, create a lead generator. You might have heard lead magnet, download gates, something of value to the customer or the lead that gets them interested enough to click on a link to find out more, give them something of value, and then have them follow you, whether it joins your email list or joins your Facebook group or your community or whatever. Set up an automated email drip campaign now that you have them captivated, right? So the first step is capturing your audience. Second step is dripping constant content to them. And then number four, collect and tell stories of transformation. So really what we're talking about here is in the story, it's not your story. It might involve you anecdotally, but the story is coming from the people you've helped transform. And number five, set up a referral system. All those people you've helped transform, they're your referral partners. These two books are one I'm following closely now as I take the next three months to plan out and implement my revival plan for Neologic Studios. This podcast has been one of my saving graces because of the Music Producers Alliance. Adam has been a massive help to me because if I were to do this completely alone, I would have absolutely no marketing efforts whatsoever. I have Adam to thank for supporting this podcast, not just with publishing, but with marketing it. It's because of the MPA that we have the audience that we have now and is still growing. As I return to music production, I see the real value of just what the Music Producers Alliance Modern Producer Blueprint can do. These books are great supplemental resources that you can pick up and follow along at any time. But even in the books, there are mentions of finding mentorships, accelerator boot camps, masterminds, and building some kind of accountability network so that you can actually stay on track. This is where the Music Producers Alliance truly shines. The platform that Adam has built is designed to give any music producer the proper framework, training, and access to a community of like-minded professionals that are ready to help each other succeed. And as Adam says, we're better together. Thanks so much for sticking around to the end of this episode, everybody. This was an advice buffet, so obviously not everything in this episode may apply to your situation, but hopefully one thing did. And I'm generally curious to know what helped you. If you found it helpful in any way, the best thing that you can do is rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app. And that social proof can make or break someone else potentially passing on a life-changing thing in their career simply because they didn't know if this podcast was meant for them or not. I'm also generally curious. I've got a few things on the works, and I want to know from you guys. I may drop a, um, a poll in our Discord server for those of you that are members. Might even drop it in Facebook community as well. But um, I generally want to know if we should add a separate segment that I can either do at the end or just do a separate podcast episode entirely where we do weekly news. Just keeping up with the industry, as I mentioned, is kind of important. And just as a public disclosure, I'm adding all of our referrals to books or other materials 
as paid affiliate links. So whether that's through Amazon Associates program or anything like that, I'd like to publicly disclose those. You'll see them in the links themselves. It'll say it's an affiliate or an associate link. But this just helps us run the podcast and hopefully whatever you guys decide to purchase based on our recommendations, it helps go towards just keeping the podcast running. So yeah, I want to hear from you guys. If you want to reach out, send me an email, podcast at modernproducersecrets.com. Lastly, the Modern Producer Secrets podcast is brought to you by the Music Producers Alliance. We help music producers elevate their brands online to attract established artists who will pay premium prices for their production services and significantly impact the music industry. If you're ready to learn how to turn your home studio into a profitable business and consistently get high-paying projects with serious artists, head over to musicproducersalliance.com forward slash apply to book a free 30-minute strategy session to find out how we can help.